What's up, everybody? My name is Eric, and you're listening to the SideQuesting Podcast. I have one announcement before we get started today. Our podcast is now available on a ton of different major platforms all over the internet, such as Spotify, Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Stitcher, just to name a few. If you happen upon our humble podcast in your internet wanderings, it would mean a lot if you could leave us a like, rating, or review. It really helps us out, it helps other people find us, and it helps us connect more with our audience. If you'd like to keep up with everything going on here at the SideQuesting Podcast, you can follow us on Twitter, at PodSideQuesting. You can also follow me on Twitter, at Riptide104, and my co-host Tom, at RedRival26. You can even email us at SideQuestingPodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for all the support, and enjoy the show. some interesting beginning audio we can start this for real uh welcome everybody episode seven side questing podcasts tom welcome you think welcome be, welcome would you think we'd be doing this seven episodes later no not really yeah i thought maybe we'd get to like three episodes and then people would just be i figured by terrible. the third episode of cyberpunk we would be pretty much canceled <laughs> yeah right <laughs> yeah you're right uh we are going to talk a little bit about that because a little bit more interesting developments about that today uh yep. i'm actually going to throw a curveball at you because i read that something else interesting happened before we get on the <clears> podcast <throat> right okay uh do you know of the developer vicarious visions yes they did the crash bandicoot remakes uh, yes very well if i must say i believe did they do spyro 2 i'm pretty sure they did spyro 2 yes they did because it was uh they i think they actually had a foot in medieval too Oh really? The remake? The remake? Yeah. Man, so I like think all those Visions, classic PlayStation ones. Did. Very uh, good development studio that works under Activision at doing uh, new, kind of new modern remakes. Definitely uh, the yeah. Crash and Spiral remakes and the Medieval Me. They knew remake. how to make those hit boxes from Crash the same as they were back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> right. I don't know if this is like a wonky square with like a little dongle on the end of it. We're not really sure what that hitbox is like, but man. You see this boar that runs at you at super fast speeds? Yeah, let's make it impossible to get past. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, first, which back in the day seemed kind of like a questionable decision. Hey, you know, this is a 3D platformer. Let's have you run at the screen while Boulder chases you. while you have no <laughs> idea what's coming. What could possibly oh, go wrong? Yeah. Those are the oh, best yeah. levels, honestly. That used uh, to give me anxiety when I played games like that. Yeah. H having played that remake, we're already getting on a side quest here. <laughs> having played that remake, uh, did you play the Crash Bandicoot remake at all? Uh, yes. Had me uh, appreciate one. Man, one is fucking hard. It is. <laughs> it is so difficult. And then two level and three. Level one are... and two. Level one and two of one, the first game. They pull you in, and it's like, oh, it's just like a three D platformer. Like it's easy. It like has some learning curve to it, but it's pretty easy to pick up. Then level three shows up, and you're like, why? <laughs> you are not prepared at all. <laughs> Everyone says Dark Souls is the hardest game. <laughs> actually crash bandicoot one crash bandicoot one followed slowly by uh mega man two true yes definitely. <laughs> so the reason we're bringing this up is because i read a story and i didn't have a chance to really analyze it but i wanted to throw it in there because we talked about all of the development studios studios technically being owned by one or a group of people mm -hmm. and even though vicarious visions is already owned by activision uh what happened was i guess they're shifting 
VV over to the Blizzard side of the business of Activision Blizzard. Right. And it seems like they're just going to be supporting ongoing and new Blizzard games from now on. So I just wanted to bring that up because... Are we going to get an Overwatch platform? Ooh, you think? Maybe? (laughs) Mixed with Crash 1, the biggest crossover event of all time. Maybe we'll get Overwatch kart racing. Because did because did I carry visions with the cart racer or did a different company do the cart racer? I'm I think not it sure. is a different company did the cart oh, okay. racer, but I'm well, gonna listen. tell you now I would play the shit out of an Overwatch racer. Okay, I would too. I would play like a Blizzard cart racer. Honestly, now that the I'm only thing about Tracer it. can say is it's T Racer. Right. This I would love to have like Reinhardt racing against Diablo. That would be interesting. Think, well, that's the thing because you could basically okay. We're on another side quest. Um. <laughs> Essentially, you would just use all their abilities, like their unique abilities, as their own thing. Yeah, honestly. Reinhardt has like a random shield he can pull up every so often to block projectiles and whatnot. And Genji can like dash ahead, but it has like a cooldown for a while. And Tracer can like speed jump and whatnot. Would Hanzo have an item that just shoots a dragon arrow across the entire map that goes through solid objects? Uh, sure. Why not? <laughs> we could do that or he could turn into a dragon and like act like the bullet bill from Mario Kart. I think you could get some interesting shots, especially if you were playing it online. So let's say you're Hanzo in last place, right? And the person's in first. So maybe like drift a corner and try and angle it so that the dragon hits the person in first place. <laughs> like that's like eight turns ahead of you. A la straight up blue shell. It. it seems like something Blizzard would do. So, so the reason imagine, I want, like whoever wins the match is like, oh yeah, I won, and then there's still a play of the game screen afterwards. <laughs> yeah, you're like, what game is this? What are we playing right now? And it's just some crazy. The play of the game screens just get insane. Like it's a green shell banked <laughs> off of like 47 walls that hits you from like across the map. Not that there be green shells. It's not and, even that. It's just it's because he's not going to have a cart. I know that if they were to do this, he would not have a cart. It would just be Bastion in tank mode. Oh, obviously, <laughs> that yeah, would be the play of the game every time. <laughs> that's obviously or just Torbjorn with a turret that got set out in the middle of the track. So I like this. See, this is the reason why I bring random stuff up, because I know maybe it'll lead somewhere interesting. So now we yep. got off. I wanted to do like a piece on, oh, all of the major development studios will just be owned by five people in the future. EA, Microsoft, Rockstar, Activision, Blizzard and Ubisoft. Yep, pretty much. But now we're talking about an idea that actually sounds pretty cool. <laughs> that I, I mean, think they have a we should racer for everything it should be a thing maybe we point. should pitch it to to blizzard because for everything i i love a lot of what blizzard does i question a lot of what they do as well uh they make mm-hmm. games that control really well right yeah, so sure. i think they can make a really good kart racer so i think we should go to blizzard con even though blizzard con blizzcon listen to me fucking <laughs> saying stupid shit oh uh, let's go into the blizzard con Fake fan. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Riptide doesn't know about podcasts. He just likes to say words on the internet. <laughs> yeah, that's my life. Uh, no, really what happens is my brain thinks faster than my mouth can move and I trip over my words. So that's something that I have a really big problem with because <laughs> I get so excited. Stop laughing at me. So, um, but yeah, so Blizzard Car Racer, let's make it happen. I think we should pitch it. I'll meet you in where is even Activision's headquarters at Activision Blizzard headquarters at uh, depends on which company is going to which part of the company is going to make it like is it the Japanese studio is it the American studio is it the German studio 
Oh, I thought you meant like uh, which side of Activision or Blizzard <clears throat> were making it. And I'm like, well, no, I don't oh, really no, want no, Activision I'm to sure. make it because I don't want a Call of Duty kart racer. Nobody asked for that. <laughs> or maybe I mean, you would. I, I don't I know. Mean, maybe people would play that. It would just be like every time <laughs> it, it'd basically just be Twisted Metal. That's all it would be. But it would be like military Humvees and that's about it. <laughs> right, all the and, cars look the same. And just infested with sweaty teenagers drinking monsters. Mm-hmm. saying how terrible I am at everything. We're actually doing something pretty exciting this episode, Tom, right? So yes. we're finally, finally. Well, what's going to happen is this episode is actually going to be split into two episodes. So the first part of the episode, we're just going to talk a little bit about games and some stuff going on because we want to keep like a main line side questing podcast to talk about games and just kind of keep everybody up to date what's going on in the world because we feel like that's important and we feel that's kind of one of our main missions that we wanted to do but like we said on the first episode another thing we wanted to do is we want to talk about games and anime and shows like more in depth and give it like a critical analysis so uh the first part of this podcast we're gonna do for about 45 (coughs) minutes probably gonna be longer now because we went on a five minute blizzard kart racer tangent (laughs) which would be super interesting. So we'll do like 40-ish minutes talking about some stuff that's going on in the gaming world, some more interesting stuff around cyberpunk uh, just because they've brought more lawsuits and there's been apologies and pointing fingers and all that fun stuff. And we love the drama here at the SideQuesting Podcast. It's what we yes. live off of. And then the second part of the podcast is going to be we're going to start our filler arc kind of side show that has to do with anime. And we're going to start looking at the first four seasons of my hero academia go through talk about the episodes what we like and what we don't like and just kind of interesting storytelling points and do kind of a critical deep dive on that so tom are you excited this episode's gonna be quirky it's gonna be what i think you cut out there it's it's gonna be quirky oh quirky oh jesus listen if there's one thing that i knew asking you to host this podcast (laughs) with me is that you would bring the puns so i really appreciate bring the puns if necessary I really appreciate that. So, all right. I don't have my hunting horn, so I can't make music puns, but I can make other types. <laughs> You'll have it tomorrow, so don't worry. <laughs> I'll have it tomorrow. <laughs> we'll, we'll be having band practice tomorrow over on uh, Tom's Twitch page, so make sure you tune in for that. If this is even out in time for that, I don't know. It depends on how long it takes me to edit it. So, yeah. uh, But quick update, Cyberpunk 2077. I know we're tired of talking about it, but I told you before that I really enjoy the business and apology aspect side of gaming. Yep. Not necessarily in that order. And I kind of enjoy Schadenfreude, or whatever that German word is, where you take delight in other people's misery, mm-hmm. because I'm a sick individual like that. Schadenfreude? So, yes. I believe, yeah, I probably said it wrong, because I don't speak German, even though I'm like mostly German and Irish. It's my ancestral heritage. So just making everybody really upset. A lot of so, angry in that. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it is. Yeah, I also always tell people, too, that I also have natural immunity to alcohol because those are the two the ethnicities two heavy, that most drink alcohol. <laughs> but that doesn't turn out to be true because I had one beer yesterday with my dad and I was like, oh, yeah, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> so, um, interesting things happening with cyberpunk. So let me just run it down for you. Some of the stuff that happened that we didn't get a chance to talk about. Update. A second class action lawsuit has been filed in the U.S. District Court for the Central District of California. In addition to the class action lawsuit filed in New York's, uh, the studio is also being investigated by Poland's Office of Competition and Consumer Protection. Which, listen, you know you fucked up when Poland's yeah. Office of Competition and Consumer Protection is investigating you. If Poland is stepping up against you, <laughs> the people who usually don't do anything 
you know you did something wrong. <laughs> yeah. From what I understand, I don't claim to know a lot about Poland's socioeconomic and political structure. Uh, people from Poland are pretty chill. They don't yeah. really normally worry about a lot of things. Nope. But uh, in this case, they are stepping in because I guess they can't. I guess it happened on their soil. CD Projekt Red is based out of Poland. So mm-hmm. very important. Uh, this news came on the heels of a video apology from CD Projekt Red co-founder, whose name I'm probably going to butcher, Marcin Iwinski, and reports from members of the dev team that they believed Cyberpunk was not ready to launch, which has been disputed by studio head Adam Badowski. Dev team reported that the E3 demo in 2018 was almost entirely fake, and it revealed a company <laughs> that was focused on marketing at the expense of development and unrealistic timelines that push people to working long overtime hours before launch. So Sounds about right. I, I can't really... I mean... We're not really surprised at this, right? We kind of called when we were first talking about it. This, this stuff was going to come to light. I mean, yeah, it's I'm, honestly, I mean, it's good <laughs> that the co-founder and the head of the company finally came out and made a statement. Um, but it's not a good look when you have employees who worked on this project for your company <laughs> saying that it was clearly not ready. Um, yeah, I mean... It's the same same situation as Sonic Boom. Same situation. It wasn't ready. The co- the creators knew that, and they still released it anyway. And you'd think that if anybody was going to take any lesson from anything, it would be take the lesson from, you know, Sonic Boom. <laughs> yeah, of course. Like so. But, I mean, between Sonic Boom and so, there's two sides you could go to this. You can either use the the Sonic Boom side. And just release it and not and act like nothing is different. Or you take the No Man's Sky route, accept the fact that something went wrong, and then fix it and then get an award two years later. <laughs> also, just kind of mind blowing that we put we created a sliding scale spectrum, right? With Sonic Boom on one end and No Man's Sky on the other, which <laughs> would probably only happen on the side questing podcast because we come up with crazy analogies that make sense, but somehow are also like, wow, how did a space exploration game and a game about a hedgehog with a neckerchief end up on the same scale? Uh, because they gave Sonic a neckerchief. That's the reason he's on this list. Sure. Yeah. They gave Knuckles fingers. That's the uh, other reason. <laughs> so, and honestly, the reports about the E3 2018 demo being fake, we have known for a while that E3 demos are just basically glorified CGI trailers and stuff like that. We've known for a long time that gameplay is not always what it appears. Uh, I made the terrible mistake, uh, I don't know if it was a year or two ago, having the misfortune of playing Anthem. (laughs) I never, I, I wanted to play it, but then I'm like, you know, this seems a little too off. (laughs) <laughs> it was an incredible concept, right? It was, yeah. you basically have an Iron Man suit and it's basically Destiny looter shooter and you get to fly around in an open world. So for everything that Anthem did terribly, which was everything, which was market itself, kind of the same way Cyberpunk did as a game and it came out and wasn't really finished or what didn't really live up to the hype and everyone was like, well, the E3 trailer was cool, but everything from the E3 trailer was pretty much absent what was going on so uh and now they're completely remaking that game i guess and re- gonna relaunch it and stuff uh 
so this honestly isn't surprising but i feel like just because of how high profile game cyberpunk was it is kind of now the scapegoat for all of these bad industry practices that have been going on for maybe the last five to eight years. Yeah, it's been a while. Because we've always accepted that things, they, they show up with a demo at E3 that looks yeah, incredible. Do, and you just, I mean, most of them even say like, this is not the actual product. It's just to like, we need to buy some time until we actually release this. And you're going to be disappointed with it. But it gets to a point where how far do you draw the line of what is correct and what is not? Right. And I believe you have to get to a point where on those trailers, there's little blurbs in the corner. Like it says, oh, like not actual gameplay footage or captured from this engine or whatever. Right. And and stuff like that. But I think now with this, you're going to have to be really careful. Like you have to really communicate to your consumer who's going to be buying this product, what exactly it is that they're looking at and you can say hey like this is kind of our vision and what we want the game to be but this might not be the end product and some people do a good job of that and i just don't feel like cd project red did a good job of that at all <laughs> so uh a little bit from their founder sad. here Go ahead. cd project red it, it, they can they do some good work on stuff and i just think that this kind of i don't know how do I put this? It's going to make people do a, like a second look at what they've actually done and see if there's any other corners that have been cut in other games and whatnot. I mean, you go back in like The Witcher and stuff and just see yeah. if any like, kind of... If anyone here has played The Witcher, there are so many game-breaking things in that thing <laughs> that... I think if it wasn't already like an established like game series that they probably would have been shot on for it as well. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Uh, just a little bit about what their founders said here. I got some quotes mm -hmm. in the outline that I assume we're probably both looking at. Yeah. Uh, he said, despite good reviews on PC, the console version of Cyberpunk did not meet the quality standard we wanted to meet. Okay. Admission of guilt. It's a good start. I and the entire leadership team are deeply sorry for this, and this video is me publicly owning up to that. Uh, he then went on to say that the team was building a game to run on high-end PCs and planned to adjust it downward to run on older consoles later in the development process, a test that they underestimated. Every change and improvement needed to be tested, and it turned out our testing did not show a big part of the issues you experienced while playing the game. As we got closer to the final release, we saw significant improvements each and every day, and we really believed we'd deliver in the final day zero update. We were fighting for quality on old gen until the very last moment, and every extra day of us working on the day zero update brought visible improvement. This is why we started sending console review keys on the 8th of December, which was later than originally planned. This all happened while working from home with all the challenges resulting from COVID-related restrictions. A lot of the dynamics we normally take for granted got lost over video calls or email, and we took that hit too. So pretty much saying, while people <clears throat> were viewing this game and had PC keys for it, right? Mm -hmm. They sent they sent out console keys on the eighth of December, which was less. I sent if you're not sending it right out on midnight on the eighth of December, which is less than forty eight hours to yeah. review the console version of this game. Yeah. So, uh, what do you think? Is this sincere? You think this is really what happened? Do you think it's a little more in depth than that? Uh, things were not being told. I mean. <laughs> 
so he owned up to the fact that it was very short notice for sending the, so I don't think that's an actual lie on that point. Um, and honestly, I will side with them that COVID did put a lot of dampers. Like my wife works from home and just trying to do video meetings and stuff like that. <clears throat> it, uh, the best of days can be messed up with like one meeting, not working hundred percent correct because everyone's working from home. Internet is crappy. Shit happens. <laughs> um, so loss of information or like misinterpretation of what somebody's saying just because somebody cuts out like half a second, anything like that can cause some kind of issues with this kind of situation. And so I think he actually is being very honest about it and being very sincere in his apology. I like, if he knew that shit wasn't a hundred percent though, maybe, maybe take a second look at that, like release the PC version of it. If you see the PC version is working fine and nothing is going wrong, release the PC version, hold console back a little bit. PC players have to deal with that all the time. Like they release the console version and PC comes out a year later because they want to get the specs better. Monster Hunter. <sighs> yeah, very true. Um, so honestly, like I understand there'll be a lot of uproar like, oh, well, can't get the game for console. So uh, blah, blah, blah. But what's the difference? You're getting yelled at now anyway. <laughs> And honestly, you're getting yelled at because you've pushed the release date back four times this year alone already, or yeah. however many times it was. Yeah. I think I think your approach probably would have been the best if, if let's say the week before, right, they come out and they say, okay, we feel that the PC version of Cyberpunk is pretty good and is ready to go. Like, there might be mm -hmm. a couple of things we need to work on. Yep. But we don't feel confident that we can release the console version yet because... We just don't think it's up to snuff. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that's a scandal because that's nothing that, like that has ever happened before where like the week before they're saying, OK, we're going to release the PC version when they promised to release all the versions on December 10th. But on December 3rd, they're just saying they're not going to. So at least you have the PC version out and at least the people that have pre-ordered it on console aren't getting a crappy product and you're going to honor their pre-orders still. Yeah. I think that probably would have been the best move in the long run because then you can release a game that's actually functioning because the, the PC version functions all right from what I've seen. Still had its glitches and bugs and problems, but honestly, what game doesn't? Right. And I think you're 100% right about your COVID analysis too. It's I worked at home a little bit at the start of the pandemic, and it's very it's not the same as an office dynamic where you can just yell across the room and get an answer for something. It's if that person's not on a video call, if that person takes time to respond back to their email, it slows down the process. So I'm not claiming to know how the video game design process works because I just am not that smart. Uh, let's say Bob is working from home and he finds a glitch or something and like you're walking down the street and he finds a glitch and he so he has to get on a, a video call or a phone call or an email and s send it to Craig who's the developer working on this part of the game and say, Hey, I found this glitch. You have to fix it. And then but Craig has... is in the meantime, working on another project that is on a bug that he found. So he's not looking at his emails right away. So then ends up having to wait 
in order to answer that email, even though he has all this other stuff to work on. <laughs> right. And that's happening between every other single employee in the entire company, essentially. Yep. So that had to have been uh, like an absolute nightmare. It's <clears throat> absolutely ridiculous. And I, I think the same way too, something that you do is so CD project, right? I was re just reading a little bit about their studio. So they have about 500 people that work for them. Uh, based in various places across the world so right. 500 people is not the same amount as 5 million people no so when you have 5 million people playing your game of course they're going to find stuff that your small team of 500 people couldn't have possibly found because they're playing it so many times and so many instances things are happening that you couldn't have anticipated that would happen that way so i mean of course that you're going to find things that are probably more broken that didn't get catch that didn't get caught but again that's not an excuse for us to launch something that's like completely broken and it sounds like the management and marketing team wanted to launch because they had money and reputation on the line but the dev team knew the work they were doing was not finished and that goes back to the situation of oh well we're getting a lot of backlash online and through social media because of the fact that we keep pushing the game back we push it back just to make sure everything's working okay, do this, do everything here and there. And they are trying to make the best game that they can or what they originally, that was the plan. <clears throat> and then because of that, the social media reps are looking at that side. The game devs themselves are trying to just keep finishing the game. And they're like, oh, well, if we hold this back any longer, then we're going to be up shit creek anyway. So let's just release the game, get it out there, and we'll deal with the consequences. Because a company's like, social viewing to some people is more important than the actual games they make. Yeah, that is an interesting point, too, because we, we've seen it the last four years in the current political and social climate in this country that people that have a really big voice and following on social media can exert a lot of pressure on other people to do things and yep. it's so yeah if you're constantly even getting hammered for the last year online that people are frustrated that your game's getting pushed back and it's getting bad publicity and all this stuff mm -hmm. of course it's going to create a little bit of pressure to want to get it out the door i understand that because for all of the few good things that social media is good for, it is also bad for a lot of th things. And this is one of those reasons. <laughs> for sure. For sure. So that's an interesting point. And I'm glad you brought that up. I Now I'm thinking about the social media. Man, this is why I love that you host with me because you make me think about things that I never would have thought for. <laughs> it's amazing. So, uh, Listen, we want... could change the Sonic movie. We can change games. <laughs> yes, 100%. Everybody just get online and write hashtag. Well, I don't know. We'll make a next time a game comes out that we don't like, we'll start a campaign and we'll yeah. like make a hashtag to, to, make, to pressure them to change it or whatever. <laughs> I like it. Uh, so I wanted to ask you, do you think this is a problem that's going to keep getting worse? And I threw this little snippet in there at the end. So the average length of development for a modern PC game is about three to five years, right? Yes. Uh, I guess longer if you're CD Projekt Red. Uh, Rock, uh, GTA 6 will probably be in development for 25 years. Who knows? Uh, those games normally have a development budget of around, I found, 100 to $150 million. Yeah. And marketing budgets are normally in the nine figure 
area as well. So when you're done with this, if you're making a big PC AAA title, you're looking at like 250, maybe 300 million dollars mm-hmm. being spent on this one product, right? So let's just that's not a small amount of money. If you're wondering why all your new games are $60, $70 a piece, this is why. <laughs> right. It's to put that in perspective, I remember <laughs> seem to remember them talking about how they spent almost $250 million on Infinity War and Endgame at the end of the MCU. Yep. So you're spending that level of money on a video game, and it was just this year that video games actually surpassed all other media in the top, like, earning media industry. I don't know what the official term for it is. I'm just talking out my mouth. Uh, so if you're putting in... million into a three to five year project, which is longer than it takes to shoot a movie. Now you have to really make sure that you're going to be putting something out that people are going to want to buy and play and has good press because you have to make a lot of money back to break even and start making revenue on that game. (laughs) Now, mind you, this is a development fund. You are not including hiring voice actors. You are not including mocap workers. You are not including every single thing that is outside of the actual like development of the game. That also adds to that budget. <laughs> right. You're literally just is this is literally just the work that you're paying people to make the framework of the game and make it all mm-hmm. work. Right. So yeah, you have exorbitant expenses outside of they have voice acting motion cap like you said and then you're paying people to go to shows to play yep. in public to work all these deals out with all these distributors to uh you know work on supply chains so you can get the game made and out to where it needs to go when it needs to go mm-hmm. you're, you're paying people to work with sony and microsoft to make sure it can be on the xbox stores and the playstation stores and all that so mm-hmm. yeah that's i mean you're probably looking at half billion dollars on really big games once this is all said and done you're making crossovers with handheld gotcha games yeah right <laughs> and <laughs> right uh if please don't start with the draws again please don't <laughs> I, we can't go back there. We that was a dark place. Um, we felt we lost our lawsuit, and uh, yeah. Anyway, so <laughs> for I just feel like this is becoming the norm. Every game is just becoming this big giant juggernaut that is costing people a lot of money, and I feel like this is probably going to keep happening until the industry figures out that a different approach is needed. Well, like, that's why if you noticed a lot of games this year because of the whole COVID situation and everything. Within the past two years, two or three years, it's been a lot of remakes and remasters. And this, I mean, like even the Switch, the Switch is like, oh, well, you guys like Mario. So what if we took all the games from the Wii U and the Wii and then we remade them for the Switch? And that's been a big thing. It works on me every time, I will say. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So remakes you already have a ground setting. So it's not going to cost as much. You literally just have to update and smooth some graphics and that's about it. Right. You have assets to work with. It's not like you accidentally deleted all the entire kingdom hearts, one game and now have to remake everything. That would be embarrassing. (laughs) Do you want to remake a kingdom hearts game? God damn. 
<laughs> I think that's what the what happened when they went to do like the HD remasters of one. Was it? They, lo- they lost a lot of the. I've read that they lost a lot of the assets from the first game and they couldn't find them, so they had to they had to remake a bunch of stuff. So that's that's why I made that joke because I I, I, I remember reading that story. So oh, I did not hear that one. Yeah, I might have to find I might have to find a few. I read something like that. Maybe I might be confusing it. It's super interesting though because you're just like oh that's really unfortunate and. If that was the case, seeing how they made that game, you know, for PS3, they, I mean, they, they did a good job of recreating it faithful to the original, which mm-hmm. it, it's, it's been proven that we can do that because essentially, yes, the Crash remakes were nicer HD remakes, but they were pretty faithful to the original. It's just updated a little bit. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, I feel like this is not going to be a thing that goes away. I feel like until the industry understands that, you know, not to set maybe i don't know what the solution is maybe you don't set a hard release date you know maybe you set soft release dates and say these this is not guaranteed maybe you don't make games that cost 500 million dollars maybe you do what hades did do a super giant did and release your game in early access two years before it's ready and just have the community help you work on the game and then you when you release it it's a fine-tuned masterpiece that wins multiple game of the year awards that seems like a pretty good approach don't you think can you wonder what game riptide loves from this year <laughs> um if i'm if, if mine is persona then you can definitely tell that riptides is hades <laughs> uh listen i just have a lot of appreciation what they did but i mean even persona too and they went back and they they just pretty much fine-tune a lot of the things that persona 5 did really well and they See, and persona, added a lot of things persona cheats persona cheats it comes out with a base rpg that follows the usual like persona system. And then they're like, you know what? We'll wait a couple years. We will release the full version with these characters that should have been in the game. (laughs) And we'll say that there's special characters that you have to pay close attention to, to get the full story of the game. Oh, that's sneaky. And it's like, God damn it. I'm going to buy it. I know I am. (laughs) Cause Every so unlike um, the Pokemon games where they aren't very co what's where I want use they're not linear or they're not all like canon not late they're not linked together essentially yeah they're not they're not linked you don't have to have played original red and blue to understand the story in Sword and Shield right it's like if you play Kingdom Hearts one without or Kingdom Hearts two without playing Kingdom Hearts one you'll understand a little bit through the flashbacks but you won't one hundred percent understand it. If you don't play, do what I did and play play two without playing Chain of Memories, because then you'll really be like, what the hell is going on? Who the fuck is nominee? <laughs> right? Who is this man with red bandages all over his head? Did I miss something? Wait, there's two Rikus? Who the who the hell are right. you? Who the fuck is Roxas? <laughs> now there's seven Rikus? Who the hell? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Dude. Um so if you play a persona game like let's start with four because four was like the mainstream persona game that ever came out you have persona four the original persona four golden which is essentially persona five royale of persona fours it gives you the characters that are supposed to be in the game and tweaks a little bit of it persona four arena which is a fighting game Arena Ultimax, which is the fighting game that had extra characters that should have been in Arena. Persona Q, 
which is a old school dungeon exploring game. It's hard to explain. It's a handheld one. So what you're um, saying is basically those Persona games were basically Street Fighter Five Champion Edition. Yes. <laughs> um, and then they have Persona 4, their dancing rhythm game or whatever it is. Well, guess what? All those games of Persona 4, all linked together. They're all canon. What's that? You want to understand all, everything that's going on? You better play all you, the side games. Want, Why does that sound familiar? You want to understand everything that's going on? Hey, guess what? Go play that DDR game. Or else you're not going to fucking know. <laughs> we all know what the fans wanted after Kingdom Hearts 3. <laughs> A Kingdom Hearts rhythm game that enhances the story. Isn't that coming out? Uh, I think it already came out. Yes, I think it is yeah. out. <laughs> It's like, well, now if I ever want to play Kingdom Hearts 4, I'm going to have to play Kingdom they Hearts. They only have Simple and Clean on there. They don't have any other songs. It's 150 <laughs> versions of Simple and Clean done by different DJs. Yep. It's my waking nightmare. If AOP so, yeah, isn't on there, what? I'm going to be very upset. If you are gonna, if you want to understand Kingdom Hearts 4, you're going to have to play Kingdom Hearts the Rhythm Game and Kingdom Hearts the Overcooked Chef Game and Kingdom Hearts <laughs> the, the Brick Stacking Game that will somehow have... A story thrown into it somehow. Oh, and don't forget the uh, Kingdom Hearts mobile game, uh, Kingdom Blade Wars or Kingdom Keyblade Wars, which is now split into two. Mobile yeah, games. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's got the Kingdom Blade Wars. <laughs> I like Kingdom Blade Wars. That's that's actually. It sounds like a really bad generic like serial comic book <laughs> ripoff of Kingdom Hearts. It's like Kingdom when you go on Blade Facebook Wars. and they give you ads. They're like, "Oh, you like Pokemon? Why don't you try this game?" And we use sprites from Pokemon, but it's not right. Pokemon. It, but it's Mokemon. It's oh. Mokemon. Oh. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, they they split that into like the Keyblade War side, and then there's a the I think it's called Dark Road UX or Dark. I think it's just Dark Road, maybe or Dark Union or some shit like that. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And it's like the story of like younger Xehanort back when he was with Ericus, and I'm like, what the fuck is this shit? <laughs> You just play for, chess the entire time. Yeah, it's yeah, it's essentially just a chess, a Kingdom Hearts chess simulator, which I'm sure that's coming too. Don't <laughs> just don't even. And at this point, we might get enough characters that maybe we'll get the Kingdom Hearts MOBA, and that'll have a bunch of lore thrown into it. And mm-hmm. you have to choose oh if you want to be a heartless, a nobody, a Keyblade wielder. Uh, you, you basically have to choose what style of fighting you want to do. Can I be and... Scrooge McDuck? <laughs> you just, and just pop, throw an ice cream at people and hop them on their heads with your pogo stick. Yeah, I, I think that would be great honestly uh so yeah i I mean i man we side quested hard on this one again every time so i guess basically what we're saying is yeah don't don't lie to people because then they'll be pissed when your game comes out and it's not the truth i guess it's just a good rule of thumb for life in general it's just Mm -hmm. to not lie to people yeah maybe so now it's the side questing life tips podcast i don't know uh drink your milk and eat your vegetables Hashtag, and, uh, hashtag moralist podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there we go. The moralist. <laughs> Jesus. Okay. Uh, I think that covers. So if we want to talk about games, um, yep. why don't we take a quick break? Yep. Uh, reconvene at one, and then that will be a nice clean break for okay. our animation shenanigans. Yes. Okay. I'll see you at one, uh, two o'clock your time, one o'clock my time. So. Yep. Got it. All right. BRB. Mm-hmm. 